0: Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. I love it. I love the concept of going in and going out. Taylor opened up with. This, the aspect of knowing God in the secret place but also knowing him in the open. You know, this aspect of of living our Christianity out in the world, but also secretly developing this relationship with our Father that is transforming us. You know. And it is, it's throughout the Bible, it's throughout the Old Testament it was prophesied, you know, the tabernacle, the temple, the priest, that's what they did. They went in before God and came out and ministered to the people. They went in to this tabernacle, this building that was this conceptual artistic space that literally looked like heaven on earth. They would step into that hidden zone, and they would step out and minister before the people. And Moses himself did the same thing. He would go up on the mountain. What's he doing? I don't know. But everyone else was scared to go with him, right? Except for Joshua. He'd tag along. He'd creep around there. Um, but uh, Moses comes back and it's to the point where his face would glow. And so I thought that was like, man, that's, you know, I might need to contour this message into, into some face glowing. Um, how... What could be a good title on the spot? How to become somebody with a glowing face? Or, no, that doesn't sound great. Um, the steps to making your face glow. Yeah, that'll that would be a good that'll be a good grabber on the podcast headline. You know, how to make your face glow like the glowworms of the '80s? You no, know? it's something like that, but. I like this. I love this beautiful concept of this intimate connection. And Moses goes up to the mountain and he comes back down and people are like scared of him. He had to wear a veil. He had to wear what some of you gals wore over your face on the wedding day. He had to wear one of those because he was freaking people out with his glowworm face because he was seeing the glory of God and was emanating it. You know, isn't that funny? It's wild. But it's, it's, a, it's a scripture I like to start off with a lot of times because we are the only religion where we are transformed by who we see and know. Yeah. Not the knowledge that we know, but the, the relational connection in that secret place. And it's not only there, it's, it's everywhere. You know? You know, And um, it's written there in 2 Corinthians 3, talking about, literally referencing Moses who put a veil over his face <laughs> in 2 Corinthians 3.13. It's literally talking about this new covenant, our reality. We are supposed to step into a greater level of glory than Moses stepped into. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're a Jew in those days or even now, you're like, well, how could you step into a greater level than having your face glowing like a glow worm because, you, because you've seen God? Does anybody not know what a glow worm is? Yeah, everybody knows. Okay, there's. thank you for being honest. You're young, though, so you get a pass. These little... They used to, Christmas present. you buy them at like Toys R Us, that doesn't exist anymore, doesn't it? Um, but there are these little toys that were these like yellow worms that would, that would glow in the dark, you know what I mean? So that's all it was, a glow worm, but anyways, I see a few people eating bananas and apples and stuff today, I like the healthy look that I'm seeing through here, it's nice. You probably didn't put any cream in your coffee today either, did you? You really, you really got, you turning a new leaf, yeah, I like that, everybody's getting healthy now, it's usually donuts. Um little bit distracted, but the thing about it is, is this is like 2 Corinthians 3 is is writing this reality of like, Hey, this new Testament it's we're not going back into some dead religion. Like this thing is transformative. It changes your person. Moses used to have a veil over his face, but now we understand that the Lord is spirit. And I love what Laura will sing where the spirit of the Lord is. There's Liberty. That's Second Corinthians 317. It's like this walk is the walk of freedom. Freedom of what? Freedom of everything that's ever held you back. Freedom of every image that you've tried to morph yourself into to portray to have your needs met and walking in the freedom of this brilliant, artistic, created person that's created in the image of God with specific design and intention by the Creator Himself to release His image on the earth. Brilliant. And it goes on in Second Corinthians 3.18, says, But we with, with unveiled face beholding us in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit. And it's saying, Hey, like we are transformed when we see Jesus as he truly is. We are seeing God. And when we see him, and this is the, this is the point of all Bible study of all prayer, of all connection. When we see him accurately, it causes us to change. It really does. When we see him, it unlocks something in us that was created, we are created in his image. And sometimes, in some ways, we've, we've morphed and shaped and changed. But we see who we truly are, as like we're looking in a mirror, it says. But we're seeing the same image from glory to glory. And it causes us to change in a way that is seen in the world. That is how we're going to be glowing in the earth. Is it literal? I think it can be literal. Maybe we'll talk about a story where it, Seem to be literal today. Um, It definitely was literal for Moses. But it's also the essence of the images of God getting out of the way and releasing who He is in the earth. And the way we do that is seeing Him as He is. All of the, it says without a veil right there. In other words, the veils are the filters or the grids, the ways that we've maybe wrongly been taught or learned, or the image, you know, a way that we haven't seen Him clearly. But you take that away and you see him, oh, that's what you're like. You're not an angry dad beating your son. It's like, oh, that's what you're like. You're not harsh and judgmental towards me, waiting for me to make a mistake. Your eyes are actually searching throughout the whole entire earth, looking for whose hearts are loyal to you, that you could be, display strength on our behalf, 2 Chronicles 69. Like, you're different. Oh, man. And then that confidence causes us to be in who we truly are. And that's the glowing of the faith. We're not transforming ourselves. You know, the Bible says Jesus transformed himself. Yeah. He was God in the beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God in the beginning, but he also is the word of God and he was with God. But there's a scripture that I always like. And I read some of this this week and I thought, man, I feel like this is the essence of our church. I feel like it's a beautiful essence, but there's a scripture about Jesus, about how he transformed himself and became like a human, became himself of, of no reputation. It's, it's Philippians 2.7, he, he made himself of no reputation, which means he completely emptied himself, taking on the form. In other words, he transformed himself. That's morph, that word of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. It's like he actually, and we'll go into this in the next few weeks. I'm actually super excited about this because I feel like I'm in my bag when I'm here. Um, but it's like Jesus, God, he came into the, not into the, only into the form of a human, but he came into the deepest, darkest depths of humanity yeah. in order to rescue it. Yeah. He went into the absolute darkest peace of Psalm 22, the Messianic Psalm, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Which was, you know, there's some, There's, uh, I wish I could do that today. Maybe we'll touch it. But it's like he came into this, the lie of separation in order to rescue every last bit, every last person in the entire planet in all of history and in all of the future because um, he's outside of time and space. But he like, he came into the darkness of mankind and redeemed us all. It's this beautiful thing that he's morphed himself in this way. Um, but it's like, I want to talk about what was the message going to be called? It's something about how to make your face start glowing. Yeah, let's talk about that. How to, how to practically step into the transformation that causes us to be who we truly are and reflect Him everywhere we go, to release Him everywhere we go. And, you know, in that, you know, Philippians 2 where we're talking about how He, he morphed Himself, it's literally saying, hey, this is the Apostle Paul writing this letter, but he's actually talking, I want you guys to be... Like him, I want you to see him as he is and transform into your true identity. And I'll back up. I read something, and it's kind of a prayer that, that he was speaking over this Philippian church, and it's in the Bible, so it's for all of us. In verse um, Philippians one twenty-seven, when he's he's literally saying, "I I want your conduct to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, whether I'm with you or not, that I could hear about your affairs." And this is what he says, and this is what I thought about all of us in um, Philippians one twenty-seven. That you would stand fast in one spirit, this is us, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you it's salvation and that from God. And, you know, they were under a lot of persecution, but it's like, I love... The, the grip, like this is what I feel like our church is called to step into. Even the life groups, everything that we're coming into this thing, this reality, even our format on Wednesdays, which we'll do in the life groups as well, which is about taking communion, about Jesus being the center of everything. And not only it's everything that he's accomplished for us stepping into that reality, but it's that we would stand fast in one spirit. We would all have the same understanding, this unity of the reality of the mission of the kingdom. With one mind, we're all on the same page with what we're doing and in no way terrified by your adversaries. A people who are of one spirit, of one mind, clear understanding and are not afraid and they're never led of fear. These three things. And I just thought, man, that is beautiful. He's like saying, you guys, I want you guys to get get the, the, the blueprint, the play of the essence of our people. Have one spirit and one mind of what this thing looks like. That everybody's agreed on it, and everybody's moving forward in this mission that's contending for the faith of this gospel, which is the reversal of all things that came through the fall. Every single thing. Every autoimmune. Every mental issue. Every hurt, every pain, every addiction, every disease. The essence of the broken body, which is the bread. The essence of the wine, which is the blood of Jesus that reverses the curse. And to walk fearlessly together as a family. And he goes on in Philippians 2 and he starts to, to describe our posture. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Philippians 2.3 In other words, like, nothing that you guys do as even a team or as a family, let there be no selfish ambition, no competition, no jockeying for position. Everybody's of one mind, the servant-led kingdom. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Imagine that. Let nothing be done of selfish ambition, but actually esteem others each other better than your own self imagine if that became our corporate mind everywhere we were the servants of the kingdom think about jesus washing disciples feet they don't get they don't even get it religious peter's like every one of us at least he's a little ahead of the game but he's like no let me wash your feet (laughs) let me do the works you know let me do that and it's like you don't get it man you know what does he tell them they're jocking for position son of man the god man he didn't come here to be served, but to actually serve. There's something to the kingly nature that is the servant. That is also the key of the glowing face. The key of the transformation to where we reflect his image. And it's like the very essence of the king himself. The king, the one who threw the stars out into the galaxy is plural. <laughs> the universe is plural. This guy. Comes and he serves. And he's humble. And he's saying, like, be of one mind, be in one spirit, and let this mind be in you that esteems others greater than yourself. And we're like, no, we have to understand that we are the great ones. Like, no, no, like, the king himself has this mind. I imagine our essence, even in our community, it's not like we're going to adopt a highway, and we're going to get out and have a service project and clean up all the trash off of Irwin or whatever. You know, I'm not talking like this. I'm talking about the mindset that sees everybody through the testimony of Jesus, the Revelation 19.10, that sees everyone through the testimony of Jesus. The world might see them as whatever the state that they're in, but we see every single person as valuable. And it's like, wow, it's a privilege for me to serve that person, to look them in the eyes at the cash register, to honor them to release a word of encouragement or life to them. You know what I'm saying? We don't see any, anybody as competition. We don't see anybody as even a network that we can get our needs met. Well, this will help me get my name out. We see even the lowest through this servant's eyes. Who picked the most ragtag 12 uh, disciples one of them was crooked as a mug you know what I mean Judas and it's like he still pick them and give them all a chance it's like he, he, he he's taking the bad news bears everybody wants to be the Golden State Warriors and, and just buy all the best players and win championships he's like give me give me the the B team and I'm going to make champions out of them imagine if we all had this mentality in our life imagine if we never saw ourselves better than anybody but we saw such great value. I'm not, seeing, I'm not saying like have this negative picture of yourself. Well, I'm just a loser. You're probably better than me. You know, that's still through the same grid of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm saying imagine if our whole family had one mind like this. It's like Jesus demonstrated something to us. If we want to go higher, we go lower. By lifting others, we actually go higher. It makes no sense, sense to the systems of this world, but this is the way of our life. This is the way of the servant kingdom. This is the way of the servant king, the king of eternity, who's bleeding out for all of us when he didn't deserve it at all. The most humiliating death. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It's like, wait, you just said, we, we, we look out for the interests of others, we esteem others better than ourselves, and this mind was in Christ? You can't. He's God. You can't be better than God. Does he not know that? You know what I mean? But in reality, we think of that in a, from a tr- twisted grid, but he's like, I, he sees the value in everybody, you know? But his name is exalted above, above all names at the same time. It's brilliant, it's beautiful. He made himself of no reputation and morphed himself into the likeness of man. He came into the depths of the darkness of humanity and unlocked the whole thing, the servant king. The greatest power of transformation is a heart of service not talking about adopt the highway or clean up, you know, clean up the, the park down the street as a church and put our sign at it. You know what I mean? I'm not hating on that. If you'd like that, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that's not what this is about. This is a heart thing. You know, we talked about Philip last week. Remember that? Um, Acts chapter six, when the gospel, the, this Christian life was actually starting to multiply, Right. It was starting to get big but the disciples the 12 12 11 plus well you know there was a there was a there was a fill in there's a new one so there was 12 but you know there was a there was a dispute right quick recap over this uh the hellenists the widows they, they weren't getting their food distributed to them well and so excuse me they, they said we'll pick seven people to be that are full of the spirit and 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 legitimate real Christians that are not the 12 because it's not right for us to leave the word of God and the ministry of the gospel right now and and, and go to serving the table. So let's pick 12. And so we we, we went through the 12 names and one of them was Philip and we saw what happened to Philip. He's leading crusade, you know, 5,000 people getting saved. He's doing miraculous powers. He's saving Simon the sorcerer. He's the one who broke the gospel into Africa, you know what I mean, by the Ethiopian eunuch. He's the one that gets caught up by the spirit in front of the Ethiopian eunuch's eyes. So that had to be quite traumatic, but in a good way. And so I'm sure that really endorsed what happened with him on the road there to the Gaza Strip, you know. And so it's just a beautiful thing. But there's another guy, speaking of a glowworm, whose name's Stephen, who's also known as the first martyr. And so on this list of these guys that are, that are going to, I don't know if it was like a one day a week today, you know, Maybe uh, Stephen was Thursday, Stephen. You know, I mean, that's his day to do the delivery. I don't know how they worked it out. But Thursday, Stephen, or how, whatever he was, you know, he actually steps into this power as well. And it's interesting the disciples are the 12, and then especially there's the three that went on the Mount of Transfiguration that saw Jesus start to glow. You know what I mean? Um, they're walking around with Jesus, but, but somebody actually steps out into a level of authority and power that even the disciples weren't walking in. It was this guy named Stephen. And what, you know, basically what happens, just like we talked about it last week, as soon, if for some reason, the book of Acts says when they started serving these widows that the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and many of the priests were obedient, obedient to the faith, which is a huge deal. They literally took, because this, we, this is Judaism 2.0, really. They did, we just believe in the Messiah. You know? The other side didn't, so we called this Christian and not Jewish. Uh, you know, but in reality... They just took a bunch of the team of the Jewish you know, leaders and whoosh, translated them over to the Christian side. A bunch of the people that were wanting Jesus to die translated them over to the Christian side. That's, that's not a small verse right there. That is a major assault on the religious machine, which we are called to partake of in this time, in this day and age. And that's a great thing, you know. It doesn't come without heat, but it is, uh, who doesn't like a fight, you know. Uh, in this life. It's great. Let's unlock our family. But anyways, in this verse, it's like, it makes it seem like these seven guys were the key to the gospel spreading out like wildfire and to a lot of the Jewish priesthood becoming Christians. Not having to do with the disciples, but other people playing their positions. And um, you kind of think, well, why is that? Well, one of the instances that happened was the story of Stephen, who's known as the first martyr. It says in verse 8, all these people are getting, all these priests are coming. And I think it, it goes into the story of some things that happen. It says, Stephen, the waiter, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So all of a sudden, you've got somebody, well, well we know that signs and wonders follow the apostles. Well, yeah, well, now we've got somebody that's just a Christian who also has unlocked something. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus that saw himself not above people, but he saw people as greater than himself. It's like, I want you to be of one mind, of one spirit, and and completely and totally unafraid in this life. It's like, ooh, I think we're on to, I think we're on to formulas, a bad word, but we're actually seeing the process of walking in the authority and power of heaven. And it's the transformation of heart. It's the servant's heart. We think of servant as helps You know, there's hospitality, there's cleaning, you know, all these different things. But a servant's heart is the way we view other people and value other people, you know? And Stephen did this. He's like, well, I'll serve. But he he, he apparently has an in and out. He apparently has a connection to God in the secret place because he is becoming just like him. Remember this, Jesus is the boogeyman to the religious system. They've had to kill him because he was everywhere and they were terrified of him. He multiplied himself, sending out 12, and then when he sent out 12, Herod, king of the Jews, was scared to death that John the Baptist came back to life, whom he had killed, boogeyman. Then he sends out the 70, same thing happens in a greater scale. Now he's multiplied something, and this all of it's Jesus to them. We need, to, we need to cut... In their mind, they're like, we need to cut the head off the snake. In reality, they were in the, in the heart of the snake and he was the king. And he was going to crush it with his foot. And so, they put him to death. Things have gotten a little bit quieter, but, but there's still some things happening. But then, but then uh, waiter servant Stephen shows up and he starts to do miraculous signs and powers amongst the people. That's, not a, that's no small thing. It says there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, um, and it kind of shows some different names there, who who began to dispute with Caesar. These are these are synagogues that had their own, um, it, it'd be like their own um, seminaries. Right? So these are like highly theological Jewish, you know. They they, they sent the they sent the Let's call in John Piper on this fool. You know what I mean? They, call, they tried to call in their big, their big theologian guys. You know what I mean? Let's come get him, you know? So they started this dispute with, with Stephen, but it says they weren't able to resist the wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Who does this sound like? You've got this miraculous signs, like power, but also signs. Signs point to something. Miraculous things that are happening. And when the top theologians get around him and try to vehemently assaulting him, like they did to you know Jesus in Luke twelve, it's like they 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 come or Luke eleven, but they start coming after him, and they they can't resist the wisdom or the spirit by which he speaks. It's like what what <laughs> what synagogue was he trained in? You know, is he a rabbi? How does he know the letters? How does he? It's just like Jesus. Like what is this guy getting this stuff from? But he was able to refute them all, and he was blowing their mind. Remember, this is a story of how much of the priesthood came to the faith. They weren't weren't able to. So they secretly induced men to say that we've heard him blasphemy against God and rose up false witnesses. Doesn't this sound like the same story of what happened to Jesus? It's the same thing. They couldn't find anything against him. So they, they got people to bear false witness about him. We've heard him say, Jesus of Nazareth is going to destroy this place and change the customs that Moses delivered to us. They're like, well, there's, there's some truth to that. But they're sitting there in the council disputing with him to the point where he's dishing it to them. And verse 15 of Acts 6 says, And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. It's like this guy, he stepped in and out into the presence of the Lord, out into the public. One of the, we, we rarely see Jesus where he goes in the secret place. You know, I mean, we see the, the wilderness and the Satan comes out there. He's tempting him, you know, somehow transporting him on top of the temple and doing all these magical things to try to buy him. That's one thing we see him in a secret place, right? Gethsemane, we see him. He's sweating blood and angels come to him and strengthen him. So that's the kind of thing that happened to his prayer times, you know, Another time he takes what Peter James and John up into the high mountain. What do they see? Oh like we're going to get to go go with him out in the out in the wilderness today. See what see what see what his prayer times like. You know, see what his prayer list is like that he writes. <laughs> Moses shows up. <laughs> Elijah shows up. <laughs> you know it's like, "Oh my gosh. Can you imagine the shock of that? Like, yo. The heroes of our their x men their superheroes show up when he prays. This is the type of stuff that happens on the outside. We don't see. And then he starts his 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 clothes are glowing white and all this stuff. Now you got Steven st- sitting there and his face is glowing while he's, while he's articulating all this stuff of people that are accusing him and trying to attack him. <laughs> you know, all the commentaries are full agreement with this. Like, this is this is literal. Not all, I shouldn't say all. Most of com- the like his face glowed. There's one, actually, Vincent gave me an old commentary about a year ago. What is it? Uh, was it Matthew Henry or one of those? Big, thick, green books. Man, they smell so good when you open them up. <laughs> and Matthew Henry, has, it has two about his face glowing like the face. One is it's literal. And two, he, he was using the play on words of his face shown like an angel to everybody that was there. And the way he worded it, I mean, it's in Old English, but it's so beautiful. It was like... He, he appeared to have never been happier in his entire life than to be right there where he was. And I just think that's so hilarious. You're being attacked. You're being assaulted like Jesus. But in, your, in his mind, all of his friends could have been like, oh man, just get out of there. Just tell them what they want to hear. It's like, I've never been happier to be anywhere in my life than right here because I have you all right where I want you like oh let's let's get after this you know yeah Luke Skywalker talking to Jabba the Hutt it's your last chance Jabba <laughs> nothing yeah a few guys get that you know what I mean he looks like he's about to die he's like it's your last chance Jabba yeah R2 is about to shoot that lightsaber to him man it's gonna go down Jabba's gonna get choked by Leia it's all gonna go down um back to the bible though um but that's the way it is his face is like yeah and he has the count. He he's on trial with all the council, with all these priests, with all these people. His face is glowing. He's just like, man, this is man, this is great. This is the best day of my life right here. And everybody on the side, his homies, are just like, dude, this ain't this ain't good. I don't know what's what's wrong with you, man. And he's like, oh man, this is awesome. I got you all right where I want you. Yeah, man. And it goes on. If you ever want a history of the Bible, read Acts chapter seven. It's really Stephen just talking about. <laughs> Well, you know, brethren, the glory of God appeared to our father Abraham. That's how he starts. He talks about the glory of God. You know, his face is glowing. The glory to glory transformation that we're all called to walk in. That he stepped into because he's esteemed others higher than himself. And now he's the top Jedi in the book. He's firing on a level of spiritual authority and power that's eclipsing. The people that were on the mount of transfiguration in a sense i guess if you look if you want to look at it that way which is not the right he's just playing his position position but he's went up to a higher belt level than everybody in the dojo he's the he's the leader and he has the audience to transform the game right here and he does and he it's so funny like he preaches them his tell us what you're what you believe you know And it's okay well you know the glory of God appeared to Moses. And he just goes on, you know, um, or to to our father Abraham. And he, and he goes on and he and he does. He gets to Moses. And and then he gets to I mean he gets to the baptisms, the Red Sea parting, the, you know, the the Jordan River. He goes to his father's and Solomon. And then, then there was the tabernacle in the wilderness, the, the the version of heaven of going in and going out. You know, he's like giving their minds this and you could say they're okay, okay, okay. Yep. He hasn't said anything uh you know, too much at this point. But he pulls a Jesus move here at the end, you know what I mean? Because he starts talking about it and, and, and he literally, however, the Most High doesn't dwell in the temples made by hands. Like he's he's getting to the next temple that their modest yahoo and everybody else is waiting on. And he's like, look, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where's the house you're going to build for me? And he's building it all the way up to jump, right? From Zechariah, Malachi to jump over to Matthew to the real gospel, to the real temple, which is Jesus, which is now us. And then in verse 51 he just kicks into that Jesus mode at the Pharisees dinner. And you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, have been resisting the Holy Spirit as your fathers did as well. Which one of your which one of the prophets did your fathers kill? <laughs> Those who foretold the coming of the just one. I love Jesus being called the just one. Yeah, boy. He's the main character. He's my favorite one. Who received the law by direction of angels and haven't kept it. It says when they heard these things, they were cut into their heart. His words got in. His words got in. <clears throat> they, went the, they went on the path of the story and then he got to the main character. And when you talk about him and you know him, he's felt. It's like, oh, where are no, that's him. He was embodied. That was Yahweh. You know, It cut them to the heart. But to the point, they gnashed at them with his teeth. being full of, and, and, and stopped up their ears. Like, ah! It says, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god goodness so jesus is standing up now right this is offensive to them and he starts to shout look (laughs) i see heavens open the son of man standing at the right hand of god what do you mean like in an equal position that's blasphemy Standing at the right hand of God, as if they're on the same throne, as if they're on the same like, uh, you know what I mean? It's just it is ripping them a, uh, it is uh, you know, <laughs> giving them trouble, <laughs> trouble. And he's in the he's, he's having the best day of his life, dude. He's like, oh man, and then you did this, and which one of you you resist the Holy Spirit? This temple, it's it's not what you've thought. Whoa no, now. Then he's, then he's in open vision trance. His mind is going away. Yeah, that, that cap of unbelief, it is gone, and he's seeing into a dimension that is more real than this one. And not only that, he's standing up. Can you imagine the honor of that, the king himself on his throne, just walking up like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 looking at you because of what you're doing, you know? Standing down there, like, raising up. It's honor. Honor. Yeah, dude. That is glory. The servant king himself. Stepping up. Like, he's, he gets it. This is an imager. His life. The response. It's exactly like watching Jesus' response. But it's a guy named Stephen. Stephan. What, how, you know what I mean? Stefan's in there. You know, it's like, yes, image. To them, the boogeyman's back. Shut it up, shut it up, shut it up. Make him quiet, you know. It's like, nah, the boogeyman, it's like, you can't stop this. I look. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears like, <laughs> you know. They couldn't hear anymore. Cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul who writes our Bible, the majority of it. So he's the authority of the bipolar version of this deity, the wrathful version. Says this, him and all his, and he gives the consent like, yes, I officially deem this worthy of death. Everyone, let's take him out. But here you have Stephen, who's just released light into the priesthood. Who's just transformed a lot of the Jewish leaders. He's just blown some real minds. And now, as we'll get to see as time goes on, he might have just caught the biggest fish anybody ever imagined. Who was consenting at his death. This young fellow who thought he knew what he didn't know. And I loved it. It says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Imagine that. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he went to sleep. Like he passed out on that. Just boom. No, yeah, he definitely was stoned, but... I'm not so sure that that's what killed him, or that he like, for lack of a better term, Obi Wan Kenobi. There at the end, just bang, clocked out. A New Hope. Look it up. (laughs) Um, They stoned him as he was calling on God and saying, "Lord Jesus." It's like, no, no, no. wait, Wait, wait. Here's another thing that I love to tag: is people don't believe Jesus is God, even in the Christian church. They think he's Little G. So here you're standing at the right hand of his dad. The, the word who was with God, but also was God, even in the very beginning. He existed before all this. And he's the one who created all this. It was by him, for him, through him. So you mean he's actually God? Yes. Right. And Stephen is calling on God, but he calls him by his name. He calls him by a name. Lord Jesus receive my spirit. Who does that sound like? What did Jesus say? Father, Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Stephen, knowing this, is using the same verbiage as Jesus. I mean, it looks so much like Jesus. This is an imager. This is why his face closed. This is why no one could withstand the wisdom that he spoke by. This is why the power and the miraculous and the signs, he became so agreed of one mind, of one heart, of one spirit with God. He was so transformed into that image from glory to glory. He was, he was in his pocket, man. He was Tom Brady in his prime in the pocket, just dropping bombs because he was so safe. He was there. He was himself. And even his words, he's not copying. He's in the same image. Father, into your hands. And he's saying, Jesus receive my spirit. He's talking to him as God. This is another thing that's just brilliant and beautiful. And then what does he say, Lord, do not hold this. What did Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They do not know. It's just like wow, like you're seeing a, I don't want to say carbon copy. I don't know if that's the right words. It might, it might be. Um, but it, it's like you're seeing an imager, a, a chip off the old block, a seed off the same tree of life. You are seeing the essence of God, the Father, who, who. It says was recon- rec- the Father reconciled mankind to Himself in the cross. Like you know, what I'm saying it was like it wasn't the Father beating. Jesus. You know, it's this whole thing. The only thing you don't see is, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" You don't see that because He knows that. He sees Him. You know, I had some Mormons ask me that one time. I've I've speaking. Of, you know, I've blasted the heads off of some Mormons. Now that sounded. I mean, I have really. Um, <laughs> taken the understanding of Mormons and just drug it out in front of them before. And that's one thing they would have, I remember, would be like, well, when he says this, why have you forsaken me? Is that not a sin of unbelief? And it's just like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. What is the very first essence that happened? The very first thing, like when man chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, like there was the mindset of separation, which was a mindset, Colossians 1 says, Colossians 1, 20, 21. It's like this mindset of being separate from God came in through the fall. And here is Jesus, like it says, he will swallow up death, literally swallowing up that lie of separation in his flesh, in his Adamic flesh, literally crying out, that was, that was like, that's the last thing to go on the cross. Like, I've paid for every single sin, pain, everything that came through the fall, even through the separation that's in the heart of mankind. And he quotes that Messianic song. Boom. And he pulls and manifests that. It was a manifestation of, of taking upon himself that mindset of separation on the cross. Everything was destroyed on it. and he And he's God, which is the Mormon's issue. As you can see in the Bible, it's very, very well proven. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. See how that works? That's how Psalm 22 works. That's what Psalm 22 is about. He he sang the opening line. But if you read the whole thing, it's about the victory that comes from it. You know what I mean? This wasn't the man, oh, oh, you know what I mean? This is like Jesus going into the pit of darkness on that cross, taking every bit of darkness upon himself. And that last bit, even the separation, singing that Bon Jovi, uh, King David, you know, Psalm 22, like, (sighs) Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken? My God, my God, why have you forsaken? It's like he's manifesting that even in Adam. He's taking it completely upon himself. But that song was more famous than living on a prayer is now, which you all knew. I'm surprised you listen to that worldly type of music, to be honest. You know. However, you know, Psalm twenty-two is way more famous. Yeah. Read to the end. Read to the last few verses of that. It it flips. It's it is the messianic song. And that was an articulation. This is what this looks like. But read the, th- read the song. You, they knew the song. You know what I mean? Anyhow, that's for another day. Um, I'm glad that worked, though. That Bon Jovi thing worked. But, um, you know, Stephen, that's the only thing Stephen doesn't, doesn't say because guess what? That had been swallowed and removed. The only thing that came out of him, he wasn't paying for sins. He was manifesting light, which is what Jesus was doing. That was the light of God manifesting the forgiveness of God and the covering of God. And Stephen is walking in step with that. I can close with that. That's, it's so beautiful. Stephen. Oh, glowing face Stephen. The champion. Caught Saul like a fish at his death. Not only all these priests that he had this audience, that he, he released this huge thing. Can you imagine what, how, how he's sitting in heaven? All the fruit of Saul's life, who's written the Bible, much of it. Attributed to, if it wasn't for Stephen, he wasn't. Be, you know, like that was the unlocking that Sauls that Saul that probably tormented him for quite a while. But then even he came to know. God chose me for this. I was in the wrong identity, and Stephen was his brother. It was his teammate, and he shares in his inheritance. Now it's beautiful. Why? Because he had the heart of the servant king. That's where it was. So Philippians 2, Paul's saying like, hey, I want you guys to get this. Hoff, I want us to get this. He's telling me, he's telling all of us. The Bible's telling us, the Spirit's telling us. I'm just not coming from me, this is God. And it's like, hey, get this. Be of one mind and of one spirit. Let yourselves be known in this community for your love, which is value. Oh, I love your brother. That's not love. Words ain't love. It's value. And when you value somebody, you esteem them greatly. Even if they're in a dark place, you're like, I know who you are. You are a champion. As a matter of fact, you're a champion on a higher level than I am. And it's an honor for me to, to sow the seeds of life into you in hopes that you step into that brilliant calling that you have. Imagine that heart being in all of us to where there's never a, a, rude, a rude interaction with a waiter or waitress from anybody in our house or a stranger, that people just feel valued by us, that all of our kids are raised, you know, and I know kids will be kids, but you know, without any clickiness, they love each other, they include each other, they include other kids, you know what I mean, like that we're like that, you know what I mean, it's like, just imagine that heart, and it's like, man, that sounds so simple, but it's like, the reality of it is, it is the way, this is the way, walk in it. It is like the the heart of the servant king. We see Stephen, like no task was too low for him. And next thing you know, he's fishing, catching the biggest fish and doing the most miraculous things. And he's setting the gospel off. And because of him, a bunch of persecution hits the church. Which everyone's like, thanks a lot, Steve. You know what I mean? (laughs) Come on, Steve. Yeah, a little deaf leper reference for you guys. No, don't listen to that kind of stuff. You kidding me? Listen. But it's like, they're like, come on, Steve. And next thing you know, but the persecution caused the thing to spread. So even even it had a backwards um, effect. Like Stephen's life just caused the whole thing to go because he was bringing, he was Thursday, Steve, dropping off the food at the widow's house. Man, dude, man, that's it. That's it. That's all we got for today. Something that really inspires me is the only note that I'll read of the day. See if it makes sense. Something that really inspires me is the thought of being able to recognize potential in people. Imagine if we look like that. We recognize potential in everybody. It is a gift, but it is a heart of servant, of the servant king. Sometimes people who who aren't easily recognized for their potential. Yeah, man. One spirit, one mind without fear, charging ahead. Finding them. Speaking life into them. Unlocking them. Let's be aggressive with it. Let's be aggressive with our love and value of people. Even it feels awkward sometimes to them. Yeah, We value them. As if they're family. They're our brother, they're our sister, and they just don't know it. And it's not a string attached. Well, Oh, and by the way, I go to the Toddler House of Faith. Uh, Should be there on Sunday. I do like people inviting people here. It's like, why wouldn't you? This is dope. But what I'm saying is like, it's not even about that it's valuing people with no string attached love doesn't seek its own imagine that being our essence in our heart I have a feeling that the secret relation connection to the Lord to one another and having this heart and mind is the path to the manifestation of heaven of power of an understanding that is that bewilders the wise and I think Stephen's life shows us that let's be this we are this Thank you.